Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Storylines aplenty everywhere. We've got uh, college football five weeks in. Longhorns, Sooners, both 5-0. and oh. We will preview, safe to say, all week long. I want to remind you, as we said up top of the show, uh, this Friday, if you're going up to Texas OU, if you're going to Dallas to be there for the big game, and uh, why wouldn't you? The final ever is these two with these two teams both representing the Big 12. Uh, and what a good matchup it should be. We're going to be broadcasting live. to do a special live broadcast Friday afternoon uh, from Terry Black's Barbecue, downtown Dallas. Ooh, nice. Great location. So if you're staying near or at downtown, you can Uber right over. They also have parking rod. They've got a parking lot right next door and one across the street. Uh, city parking, so you're not trying to battle Dallas. It's it's mm-hmm. it's got available spots. Also, uh, great food. Obviously, it's Terry Black's Barbecue. It is wonderful, and uh, they got the 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 pits all. It comes right off the pit, Rod. Right off the pit barbecue nice. with Terry Black's plus the cold Bud Lights and cold beverages. Open you know, the bar will be there, and we'll be having a good old time. Be like an old school round table. I'm going to be there. I think Ty Henderson is going to come up with me, and uh, we're going to have some guys from inside Texas coming over. Uh, Jerry like Hamilton and yeah. Bobby Burton, and they may actually be recording one of their live streams from there. So, And then you and Patrick will be holding down the fort here at home on that afternoon. Them. So it'll be a great way to either listen and lock it in on your way up to Dallas or join us when you get there and have yourself a great meal with Terry Black's Barbecue. And I want to tell you that that entire trip, our entire afternoon broadcast is going to be brought to you by our Presented by our friends at One Source Gas, my buddy Richard Strever and his team. That's uh, all of your compressed gas needs. If you need CO2 for your, your taps, you're a bar, restaurant or bar owner, um, compressed gas of any need. In the veterinary medical industry, they're the best in the industry. It's onesourcegasatx.com. They're going to help us with that. But um, So, yeah, we're already getting ready for this, Rob. But we got a lot to get our – it's one of, one of those head-on-a-swivel kind of, de- kind of weeks. Mm-hmm. We've got baseball playoffs. We've got football. Got NFL in college. We've got a uh, lot going oh, on. It's a sports gasm kind of week. Yeah, well, heck, I mean, we've barely mentioned that the the big trade that went down. Dame Lillard's now a Buck. Drew Holiday's yeah. now a Celtic. I mean, that's big time. Oh, did you see Jim, Jimmy Butler's new hairdo? Uh uh-uh. uh He he arrived at uh, Heat Media Days with a I guess it's a relaxer or his hair straight. He straightened it all. Oh wow. <laughs> oh yeah. No, he looks like he looks like P I M P. Yeah, Hemi. Look, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be his hairstyle for the season, but his you can go look at it on social media. Just type in Jimmy Butler. Well, his hairstyle, he's got it relaxed and straightened, and, yeah, he looks like he's about to do some some pimping. Pimping. Yeah. yeah. Pimp he, Hemi. Well, they were uh, in the NBA Finals last year, but the Celtics adding Drew Holiday is huge for them. The uh, Blazers, obviously the Bucks adding Dame Lillard to go with Giannis. Um, that's, that's, that's the move to me. That's, that's the, move. the move. That's, that's the move. move. That's the move right and there. And I think Portland did pretty well. I mean, Portland ended up with a ton of, if they're rebuilding, they got a lot of pieces for Dame Lillard, so props to them as well. I would also say that um, we, you know, on Friday we talked to Bill Schoening, legendary voice of the San Antonio Spurs. Oh yeah, and a couple of reasons why they go to camp today with Wem, you know the the Victor Wembanyama. Wembanyama. They open camp, but Bill also had a a show at the Saxon Pub yesterday. Saxon Pub. Oh yeah, because Bill Schoening and friends. Is, 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 he played from his new album. His, yeah, apparently well, his new late, album. latest album. Wrote his a new book. Latest yeah. album. Wrote a book. Say. Yeah, he got a. It was so apparently well, it all went very well. Yesterday, Bill Schoening is a very accomplished man. He certainly he's is. A, he's a true, he, he is a true renaissance man. And it was good to talk to him. But, yeah, he yeah, was talking about all the moves made this offseason. He's got and the so Spurs. Many, yeah, man. Rockets are feeling actually kind of confident about, you know, they've been so bad. Kind of like the Texans. They've been so bad. Now they have Ume, Ume Udoka. 
good young team. Uh, so yeah, there's a sportsgasm, as you say, Rod. There's a lot to uh, to get after. But we know the top thing is Texas. We're going to go behind the burnt orange curtain one more time this hour with Rod. Also, I wanted you to hear from Steve Sarkeesian. Um, let's let's hear from his team. He's happy with his team's maturity and the maturing of this team because uh, he was asked by Kirk Bowles. And by the way, Kirk Bowles of the Austin American Statesman, a longtime columnist. Mm-hmm. He has wrote, written a story this morning in which he says uh, they've convinced me uh, they got they, the Longhorns were ranked number one in his AP ballot, AP top uh-huh. twenty-five. So he was, uh, you know, Longhorns got ten votes for first place this week. They've gained a little bit on Michigan. Kirk Bowles was one of those who uh, says, you know what, that's the number one team. He also, in the post-game news conference after the win on Saturday, asked Kirk, uh, Kirk asked Steve Sarkeesian, are you pleased with how your team is playing after five games? I'm pleased with, with the way we're playing. You know, there's no, there's no doubt. I think we've played some pretty good teams, you know, that uh, we're getting faced with different styles of opponents week in and week out, and we're responding to the challenges. I'm very, very pleased at the maturity of our team because I think that's what uh, accept the next challenge the next week, put forth the work, and then go out and perform. Um, And you have to continue to improve. You know, championship teams get better during the season, and I think that that's something that we've been able to do here through five weeks. I love that cut because it goes to everything you've been talking about that, you know, Longhorn fans may not love the fact that they're a second-half team, but it's okay that they're a second-half team. You've got a mature team that's, you know, know, preparing right for the initial – you know, fight, but then when things, you know, you go face a backup quarterback or you they hit mm-hmm. you with a couple things you didn't expect, they've got a mature enough team to, within the game, handle it, shore things up that are not going good in real time. This was a problem for them last year, obviously, and the year before. Before that, uh, too, yeah. They've aged well, and now they have players who will step up and not, you know, you can make that mistake one time, Rod, but let's not make it again, right? Let's get it cleaned mm-hmm. up, and this is what it feels like this team is doing right now on both sides of the football. Yeah, and they, you know, and this is, by design, right? Because Sark talked about he wants to play more guys in the rotation, play more players, so they're fresher in the fourth quarter, fresher in the second half. That's coming to fruition. Um, his, you know, his design to uh, recruit and acquire big humans, big humans. He wants the biggest, most massive offensive line in the Big Twelve, but he also wants the fastest skilled players in the Big Twelve. And you think to yourself, well, that's just you know, obviously everybody wants bigger, faster players. Yes, that's true, but. Imagine what that does to a an opponent, an opposing team over four quarters, when you have to go up against the biggest, most massive offensive line uh, and the fastest players. It wears you down. Yeah, I may, I may be able to run with Xavier Ward in the first quarter. It's going to be hard for me to run with him in the fourth quarter because <laughs> I'm a little tired cause from running with him all the damn all, all the game long. All right, same thing with your defensive line. They may be able to hold up a little bit against Texas and be stout in the first half. What about the second half? When that then when two thousand pounds of offensive line essentially when they go six O line packets starts wearing you down so it is by design and by, I think psychologically as well Sark has emphasized as we know players have talked about it J T Sanders talked about it we got to be a better second half team so they've emphasized a lot of the psychological element of responding to adversity closing out an opponent finishing an opponent and Sark has even talked about himself as a play caller changing up his you know tendency as a play caller to be more aggressive as the game goes on. Instead of trying to be, you know, uh, be 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 a, a, a coordinator, to get your team in a rhythm, and trying his best to make sure that everybody is comfortable in the offensive plays that are called, he's basically decided he just wants to be aggressive. 
To yeah. hell with the comfort, to hell with uh, the familiarity of plays that guys know in late in the games, because if they're familiar with them, that also means the opponent's familiar with them, too. We're going to just go with plays that are uber-aggressive in late in games, and it's paying off hugely for them. So this is all by design. Give Sark credit. It's what he emphasized. I think now it's paying off. Let's also hear Sark after the game, 40-14. to 14. Longhorns cracked the 40-point barrier for the first time this year. His overview of uh, you know just a balance of offense and a, and a pretty darn good defense outside of two plays. I think, first of all, uh, this was a good team win for us. You know, We keep talking about being versatile and finding different ways, and uh, I thought today was another just good example of that. You know, obviously, the balance on offense was really critical for us. You know, something – Coming into the game, that I had talked to the to the guys about, like let, let's be really balanced today. Let's let's run it the way we're capable of running it. Let's throw it, um, and, and then find those completions. And I thought we made some nice adjustments from a staff perspective that way. Um, and anytime you can have, you know, you can throw for over 300, uh, you can rush for over 300, and have a 200-yard rusher, and have two receivers basically have 100 yards receiving. That's good balance. The ball was getting spread around the right way today. I thought we were very efficient, Um, and although we really didn't throw the ball over their head, we found explosive plays. We remained explosive as an offense today, uh, which was good. I thought defensively, we played a really good game. They they hit two plays. We had a little issue with the option game. They they were running some triple option at us that, that we had to adjust to. And that was the first touchdown, you know, although there was a fumble involved, but that's really what the first touchdown was. And then they hit the big post for the, for the touchdown off of, a, off of a tempo play. But outside of that, well, our defense really played, played really well again, you know. And I think what they were able to do on third down and fourth down, I think against a team that was either number one or number two in the country on third down conversions to hold them to 0 for 8, 0 for 2 on fourth down, uh, was was really good football, and, and then, you know, in the end, I thought we started really well offensively, um, and we were moving the ball. We just had our sputters, you know, as we would as we kind of in, approached the red area, and then you know, we missed a couple field goals in there. Um, but the common theme is the way we finished. Uh, I thought the second half we played really good football and finished a couple critical drives there in the fourth quarter. So, uh, all in all, um, I'm proud of the guys. It was a heck of a win against a good football team. Uh, great environment at DKR again, uh, under the circumstances with the weather the way it was. Great environment. And um, we set ourselves up for uh, for an awesome opportunity next week. That next week would be this week, and that's Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Rod Babers. Ooh, damn right. To his point about we gave up two plays. You know, if you take away those two plays, and you can't do that in football, the Longhorns allowed 144 yards on every all the rest of the plays in a 60-minute football game. 144. That's pretty good. It is pretty impressive. Like I said, the defense to me – they they've only been exploited kind of sporadically. It hasn't been like a, a, a consistent systemic issue that you can exploit. It's something it's something new pops up every game yeah, pretty yeah. much. It's like, oh, they're going after Ryan Watts this game. Interesting. Oh, but but this is good though. You put together as a defensive coordinator, now as a as a coach, we look for things to improve on, you can put together a list of things and ways teams can exploit you and attack you, and you can almost do self-scouting predict and project how future opponents are going to try to come after you. Yeah. You know you know Oklahoma's going to throw the deep ball. Why? Because it's worked like three. So one of the only things that's worked in multiple games has been the deep ball. Alabama, uh, Baylor, and in this game. They're so going to run some triple option. They're gonna, they're gonna, <laughs> hell, they, might, they might try to bring in a Noah. Uh, they got a backup quarterback that can do it. Why not have a little package? Can Texas handle it? I don't know. We got to see. So I think you are able to kind of do troubleshooting 
teams are able to find little ways to exploit Texas. But like I said, it hasn't been consistent. And the list is real short, right? You can attack Ryan Watts. You can attack the safeties in coverage with the deep ball. You can try the triple option, or yeah, maybe that'll work for you. You can uh, throw the bunch formations. That's what Alabama did really well. They targeted players out of bunch formations. But that's about it. Am I missing anything? We're talking about a list of well, like they've four had a things. couple of run fits that they haven't hit, right? Yeah. And that, that, yeah, but that, those are more outliers to me. So, yeah, because our like, run defense is the number one in the conference, one of the top in the country, on a play-by-play basis, and it's football. They're, they play too. They practice too. They're, they're on scholarship too. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. Really neat. They're on scholarship. They're on scholarship too. But yeah, that's but that's how you win football games. You're going to give up some plays, especially the more. The tougher the competition gets, they're good, and they're going to make some. Yeah, that's that's how you respond. And this team has checked that box in a big way that they'll they respond to issues. I just thought, you know, earlier in the show we gave away our Viking fence defensive play of the game. It was that big fourth down stop. Mm-hmm. I remember on that series too, Kansas. I mean, Kansas was still that was still a ball game. Oh yes, it was a very much a game. That was a turning point, you could argue. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was a one score game because yep. they had hit the over the top play because mm-hmm. Texas came out and, and did their thing, uh, but then they hit that over the top. The one of the two plays they hit. And so, yeah, there's some rabble in the crowd. Like, oh, my gosh, why are we playing so close to Kansas with their backup quarterback? But I do think this fan base understood this Kansas team was pretty good. There's some substance to that team. They're a lot better for Lance Leipold. They came in ranked. And right there where, remember, that was going to be a, a third and six. Remember then Ethan Burke jumped offside. It's a third and one. And then it became a third and one, and Texas stopped him both times. Jalen Catalan makes a hell of a play. Jalen came from Ooh. a long way and tunneled. And if he had made the original tackle, it would have been a loss for about six yards. Yeah, the running back did a good job. The running back to was make hard. Something he's out of hard to bring down. Number, is that number 20, the other one? Yeah, Not Hinshaw. Neil, yeah. Hinshaw. Dude, he's, he's, got, he's got a good center of gravity. And it's hard to tackle him. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Catalan got right to his legs like a missile, and he jumped over it a little bit, kind of side stepped it and he um well and then they got the fourth down play and that's mm-hmm. where uh, you know that I, Sark indicated in the post game that they they think that play if it had been run properly was going to be more triple option and they were going to test Texas well what did Texas do Jade Barron dropped down came off the edge and there was no triple option to be had there yeah. so then all of a sudden you have Baron Sorrell's crashing and there's the fumbled exchange because the quarterback didn't know what to do with it, and you get off the field, you go score, you separate a little bit, and yeah, that's complimentary football in a big it spot. Is. Yep, that's exactly what happened because uh, Jaden Catalan made the, and you were you were battling adversity, right? You had a penalty that made the third and short, usually third and one. Oh man, that's gonna that's third and one. You're in four down territory. Most teams consider that you know an easy conversion for them at one point, whether it be third or fourth down. Texas didn't give that up. You know, was able to be stout, bow their back, uh, come up with the fourth down uh, stop, and then give their their offense back the ball with a short field. They score, and that's when the separation starts. And honestly, we probably can go back e in four of the five games this year and and have a and see a similar sequence. Yeah, where it, it was close, like man, that was a one score game, a really close game, and then like three, four plays, Texas makes they make the the big play, or they on defense they make the right play. You maybe complimentary football, like you talk about, maybe it's a big return or something, sure. like Xavier Worthy, and then this team is able to crack the whole thing wide open. Uh, that says, guys, do you know who's out for both teams other than uh, – Hopefully it – Sark will have a news conference at 11 o'clock today. So coming yeah. up here, he will – It won't will, be JT. JT will play. Yeah, I think we're going to get good news on JT. But, again, he's going to play in pain. I mean, he's going to play with an ankle. You don't just get twisted like that and uh, yeah. get healthy in seven days. That's just – but it's not structural. There's no bone broke. There's no torn ligaments. It's just an ankle. Ankle. So they'll tape it up, and he'll be, he'll be going, I think, um, as you've said, 80 85%. In that game, but they need him on the field because he is that uh, that, that cheat code yeah. to the Texas offense. And look, I mean, I, I always think about it like Brett Venables. He's sitting down to watch his film now, 
and he's going you know, to watch the, the games, and it's like, all right, next man, we got to deal with him. Well, you know, look, here comes Jonathan Brooks. He now leads the Big 12 in yards mm-hmm. per carry. He's the leading rusher in the Big 12 right now. Oh, wait a second. Who's this guy, A.D. Mitchell? He hadn't done a ton, but, oh, wow, look at that. That's 10 catches, 141 yards. Now i got to deal with that dude. Oh, and by the way, Quinn Ewers has accounted for more touchdowns than any team in the uh, any player in the Big 12 because he's, he's thrown 10 touchdown passes, and now he's run for five. Now he's run for five. So, you know, Brett Venables is a really good defensive coordinator. Oh, and by the way, the offensive line's really good that we're we're messing with. So mm-hmm. that's that's the challenge Texas presents. You went through it in your your rant earlier. Uh it's just it's a, it's a it's an embarrassment of riches for Texas. And the thing that I think I took most away from this game and the Baylor game is this the calm way in which Quinn is playing. Uh, you know, even against Wyoming, there were some times where he looked a little skittish and he looked like he was just a little off r- rice. But man, when he locks in and he plays a calm brand of football, and you can tell he's he's dialed in, this offense really goes because he's the he's because what do we what do we talk about during the summer, Rod? The defensive coordinator is going to try to put this game in Quinn's hands, try mm-hmm. to give it to Quinn and see if he can take it. I think he's passing that test with pretty high colors right now. That he he can make those throws. He's going to find the right target. He's not going to get to happy feet back there. Um, you know, you can do some things, but he's he's always got a spot he knows he can go to with these weapons on this offense. And we haven't even mentioned Jordan Whittington yet, nope. who could be a huge factor in <laughs> exactly. this game playing in his final Texas OU game. Yeah, I mean, Jay Witt gets – he's automatically, you know, getting one-on-ones. You just can't afford to allocate resources to stop guys like Jay Witt when you have so many other different weapons to worry about. And I'll throw this out there, too. I, there is um, Deshaun McCulloch, uh, and I man Jerry Hamilton was talking about him. He's a really good linebacker for – uh, Oklahoma, and they got a couple of good linebackers actually. They do, um, and he'll be covering JT Sanders a lot, and he's actually a really good linebacker in coverage. That's what Brent Venables is going to have to do. He's going to take his chances and be very judicious about when and selective about when he wants to leave guys one on one with certain uh, players, and when he wants to come after Quinn Ewers. But the belief is is that he is going to come after Texas early and often, whether it be blitzes or simulated pressures, because he just doesn't have a stout enough defensive front to hold up against the girth and the size on the Texas offensive line. So what you do is use your undersized uh, D-line and their speed, use that to their advantage, and you'll see a lot of, uh, you know, I think you'll see a lot of slanting. I think you'll see a lot of second-level pressures. I think you'll see a lot of run blitzing early on and early downs because Texas pulls their guard so much. See if you can knife in and force a negative play early, get Texas behind the chains, and then when you do get them behind the chains, that's when you throw in simulated pressure packages, exotic blitzes, and yes, and yes, he does have the three high three down in his repertoire. Well, listen, I mean, you just said it, and we got all week to, to break down that X's and O's, but, I mean, Brett Venables, or this guy calls him burnt vegetables, burnt vegetables <laughs> and Lanthes. I love that. Oh, yeah. uh, well, good. he's got to have something because he, he's now, you know, if you go back, because this is Sark's third Big 12 Texas OU game. It's yep. Venables' second. Mm-hmm. But he can go back and even watch the film of Sark's first year in this game. And, you know, it was when Caleb Williams came in the game and changed the game. But Sark's original script was blowing the game open, right? Is, yeah, great original script. <laughs> uh, great original script. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, Bijan had the big game. But at the same time, J.T. Sanders, five, 71 yards and two touchdowns. He was the guy that was just owned in the middle of the field, and they didn't have any answer for him. Now, their defense was pretty bad last year. But that's if you're, if you're trying to you know, play chess with Brett Venables, he's got to think, I've got to at least match him for the script. 
Yes. I can't I we can't be down 21 points. Right. I mean we can't because no. he'll do that to you and he's done it in both. <laughs> now, 2 years ago with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams entered the game and then started making all the plays and hitting 50-50 balls and we know how that game ended, mm-hmm. 55-48 and but Sark has had a great game plan for each of the 49 nothing. He scored 48 points in the second matchup. His defense just couldn't get get Oklahoma off the field once once Caleb Williams came in. You got to know Brett Venables has to have a great game plan, and you talked about him working out it all summer, all I summer. Bet. Yeah, I bet. I just think you know he, they didn't have a big game in the non conference, and they didn't have some blockbuster matchup early. This is their first big game of the year. Texas had the Alabama game, sure. and we know just based on we hypothesized, I should say, that Sark dedicated a lot of offseason time to that Alabama game plan and that even during the Rice Week, a lot of time looking how distracted the team look, a lot of time devoted for the coaches on the Alabama game plan. And it paid off for him, by the way. So kudos to Sark. He knew we win this game. We will catapult ourselves into the national championship conversation and we'll become the talk of college football. And he was right about that. Um, I think Brent Venables is similarly making a very – I think he's making a, a, the same type of gamble uh, this year, but he's doing it with Texas. He knows he was embarrassed last season. He's a defensive mind. Um, he, so he's pre- taken a very hands-on approach with his defense, and I think he's been prepping and preparing for Texas the entire offseason, spring. And this happens anyway because oh. Texas OU is always a big game, but I think for Renables, it means even more so because he's not on the hot seat, but it's definitely a seat that's unstable right now considering how last season was. Yeah, he's five and zero start, but they were four and one last year coming into this game, and it didn't go well afterwards. Um, uh, how many times do you think you'll hear this week? Forty nine nothing, coach. Forty nine nothing, man. Like my man Jerry Hamilton says, "Hey man, <laughs> I bet he's got it playing in a loop on the locker room, playing on a loop in the locker room. Wherever oh they go, they get to see it, so they don't forget it." <laughs> he won't. I have now seen Jimmy Butler's it. hair. Jimmy Butler's seen hair. It? Hey, Hemi. Hold on. Him, he got that relaxer on there. Look at him. Did he go to like Gabrielle Union stylist or what are we doing? Here? I don't know. <laughs> and he's looking very emo. Like I don't know what is happening with Jimmy. I, That's weird. Isn't it weird? I don't know. This is going to be the the if he go if he plays in a game with this hairstyle, it's going to break the it's going to break the internet. It'll break Twitter if he goes out there. He was asked about his haircut and he said, "This is my emotional state." <laughs> well, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Uh, maybe is he feeling good or bad? What does that mean by his emotional state? It's like a Whitney Houston haircut or something. Bro. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's 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 a Whitney. vibe. It's a vibe. It's a vibe now. It's a it's a, it's a feminine haircut. Am no, I wrong no, about that? No, it, no, but it, it is it is yes, feminine. But if you go back and look at, have you ever seen like the players' ball? You ever seen pimps up? Okay, down on HBO. Oh yeah, a lot of the pimps they would wear relaxers and they have their hair straightened and relaxed. It. I got so you. So it's almost a throwback. But to he's the got pimp it like style. covering kind of like of Cat his, Williams. Yes, Cat yeah, Williams. It's like Cat Williams. It. Yes, he would. Thank you. Great, well, great and, description. And, and his bangs, yes. the hair's covering one eye, so it's kind of like a. Oh man, he he combed that out like he was, <laughs> he he styled it a little bit too. Jimmy Looks Butler like it's more than a phase. Yeah. It looks like it is more in the face. Like, this, is, this is not a bit. Well, then you have this really pretty haircut, and then you have this really grimacing scowl. And I'm like, there's a there's a Does juxtaposition he, here. Are those piercings on his? Yeah. Are those piercings on the side of his lips? He's got side lip he's, piercings. He's, is he always had those? Yeah. That's a, that's a weird picture. I but, haven't seen the picture yet, but it feels like, from what y'all are describing, it feels like there's a hint of Rodman in there now. I feel like, I feel like maybe that. piercings. I, I know. I feel like that picture, maybe they put something else in there and superimpose some stuff. That's weird looking. Hopefully, I want to go get the raw picture and see this because he does look very different. We'll be back. Uh, Rod will take us more Hit behind me. this burnt orange curtain. Also, the other results from the Big 12 this weekend. There is a. Uh, 
a probably a two and zero undefeated Big Twelve team you're sleeping on. We'll get to that coming next here on Hook 'Em Up with Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. That's right, we will be in Dallas on Friday afternoon. I don't right, so right now our plan on Saturday, Rod, is all here, right? We're going to have our pregame show for Texas Oklahoma in the morning and then We'll be live at the uh, Field House at the Crossover with our watch party starting at 11 o'clock, uh, much like we were for the Alabama game. The weather is going to be great, by the way. The temperatures are supposed to be in the 70s. Might actually be a little cooler than it'll, it'll be in the 60s. Uh, you know, as you get set up for the for the uh, get get ready party, and um, so perfect to sit outside there at the Field House at the Crossover and watch the game on the big screen there and uh, enjoy the camaraderie of fellow Texas fans. So I'll be there at uh, Terry Black's Barbecue downtown Dallas on Friday afternoon. But then the uh, the big fun on Saturday out at the Fieldhouse at the Crossover Bud Light. Nice. We'll bring both of those. And, of course, our Friday coverage will be brought to you by One Source Gas. Uh, what a week. What a week. Uh, what, what more could you ask for in the final, the final mm. Texas OU game as members of the Big 12? I mentioned last week that if they both won, College Game Day will certainly be there, and they will. Um, the whole crew, that means – Nowadays, Rod, when you get college game day, that means Pat McAfee and that whole crew comes on Friday, and they do all hang kinds out. of interviews, yeah. and he does his show there Friday morning, and then they all hang through Saturday, and uh, so yeah, they call it Texas and Oklahoma, and you know what? What is the, uh, the what is the we talk about Jimmy Butler's? This is his emotional state with his new hairdo. I don't know what's happening with Jimmy Hemi. What is Brett Yormark's emotional state right now? I mean, he's got to be excited about this, right? He's got he's got Dion in Colorado coming, so you got a big you got a brand coming into the conference I'm just about it, for this week with yeah. game day, right? He's right. got to be there. Why does he have to be there? The Big Twelve commissioner. Yeah, why does he have to be there? I don't know I don't exactly. Have to, be there. <laughs> have to be there. Same reason you just said that uh, the SEC commissioner can Greg Sankey can oh, hang Greg out in the sideline. Greg Sankey will be it's there. Just, <laughs> it just usually that con- that is uh, that's behavior that is conduct that is uh, expected frowned upon. Um, but it's you know if Greg Sankey decides he wants to be on the sideline, that's conduct unbecoming of a commissioner. But hell, also conduct unbecoming of a commissioner is cracking jokes about members of your well, that's conference. Right. That's right. And he's done that. So I don't know if the rules apply anymore in the kind of the well, modern era. Pettiness. When I'm saying your mark, I he mean, usually would be there. I'm assuming an ESPN is going to want to talk to Brett. Your yeah, mark. usually he'd be there, but right now I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you're like, uh, y'all can call me. <laughs> Pat McAfee might want to talk to Brett Yormark. That's true, but he, Brett, Brett Yormark may know what it's about and may know that he's going to end up being the you know the the butt of some jokes here. And he's like, or, no, I'm not sure. I said, Greg Sankey will show up and he'll do the interviews with Pat McAfee. And it's this is an SEC event now. I know this is not a Big Twelve. I'm sorry, Texas OU well, game is no longer a Big Twelve event. Whose umbrella? Not anymore. Is, all of that is under the ESPN umbrella, correct? Yeah. Which means ESPN is taking over the SEC contract as of next year. Exactly. <laughs> this thing is SEC branded now, buddy. So you can go around if you want to, Brett. You are my, but your feelings going to be hurt because it'll be like, oh, right, well, now he SEC. will be contractually required to show up to the Texas Oklahoma game if they meet again in the Big Twelve Championship. Oh, that's going to be sweet. Oh, he'll have to be at that one. This one he could maybe skip out and go have a corner. I think dog. this one he could skip out and act like go to some. What's another Big Twelve game happening this weekend? If he goes to another Big Twelve game, then I would just say he's being passive aggressive because hmm. there's no bigger game in the Big Twelve this week. Tech and Baylor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's up at the Tech Baylor game showing out. <laughs> 
No one knows he's hiding. He's hiding from us then. Central Florida and Kansas would have been a big game if they could have held a 36-7 to lead or 35-7 oh, yeah, lead you're right about UCF. That. Yeah, that would have been uh, But I mentioned earlier the sneaky, the sneaky team that's off this week in the Big 12, West Virginia. West Virginia lost to Penn State week one and has won four games in a row. They beat T- TCU on Saturday night. You're right about that. Texas and Oklahoma are both 2-0 in the Big 12. The only other 2-0 team in the Big 12 is West Virginia. That is Neil definitely Brown. a surprise. I never would have thought. People thought Neil Brown would be fired, would be by on the hot seat by now, and he's not. Yeah, they went into Damon Carter Stadium Saturday night and pitched a second-half shutout. They were down 14. They were down 21-14 at the half, but... TCU didn't score in the second half. I haven't watched them. Are they doing it with defense? I guess. I didn't see that. I did not watch watched, that game. I have not watched West Virginia. I will admit, I have not watched them. I have I no idea watch, how they're winning. I did watch Ole Miss LSU in an absolute shootout of a game on Saturday night. And I did watch the Notre Dame. What's the defense uh, in the SEC? Where's the D, man? What's the D? Brian Kelly doesn't have it at the LSU. I know mm-hmm. that. And Ole Miss, uh, what a game that was. But I felt really bad for Mike Elko and Duke. Right? I don't know. I, I don't root against or for Notre Dame. But... They had a very good look at winning that game. They were up 13-7, to Rod, and they had Sam Hartman and Notre Dame backed up 4th and 16. All they had to do was get a stop, get off the field, and the mm. ball, they're going to take a knee and the game's fourth over. 4th and 16. 4th and 16. Oh, man. And Sam Hartman scrambles against an eight-man. Like, they did, they rushed three, dropped eight. No spy on him? No spy? No spy. Oh, no spy. And he ran to the sticks, got it on the next play. That, mm. that game would have ended it. Duke, think about Duke. Duke would have been undefeated, have just having college game day in their place. Wins over Clemson and Notre Dame for Mike Elko, wow. and he couldn't stop fourth and sixteen on the next play. The handoff touchdown. He's a defensive guy, so you know that just ate him alive. Oh. It just ate him up. And what it could have meant for his program. It's <laughs> one thing to beat Clemson. That was a nationally televised game to beat Notre Dame, nationally televised to to announce the. That, that that Clemson, excuse me, Duke is for real in the ACC. And the quarterback here. got hurt too. That's and that. The, yeah, Riley, yeah. Right, quarterback got hurt, and all they needed was a stop though. Yeah, one fourth and sixteen, and in the end they lost the game. Okay, doing a good job with that with that program though. It's pretty obvious. Well, yeah, they're on the rise. I will say that A and M had a nice win. They dominated Arkansas up and up at Arlington on on Saturday. Good for the Aggies. They outgained them pretty much two to one. They were good. But if Jimbo Fisher doesn't get it done this year, there's already people pushing for Mike Elko. But because they've lost a lot when he left that program physically and culturally, I believe. Yep. Uh, so we'll see. Also, Jeff Trailer down at UTSA would be in the mix there. But we'll see. Hey, Rod, can we get to one more trip behind your burn orange curtain? Let's do it. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. I'm um, just talking about the uh, Texas-Kansas game a little bit and reviewing uh, one of the uh, the conceptual adjustments by Steve Sarkeesian and the staff. And uh, something I've been thinking about, I've been talking about for a long time, is that you know Texas running the 6-0 line package. When J.T. Sampson went out of the game, uh, they decided to run a lot of the, but they call the Big 12 package. That's their 6-0 line package. Malik Ogbo is the sixth offensive lineman. Um, and it was 22 snaps of it total. Now, 21 of those snaps actually, like, in game. I think one of those was a, a failed two-point conversion uh, by Texas. So, uh, you're trying to take that out of the mix, but you can include that if you want to. Still, Texas ran more plays out of that 
that 6-0 line package, what they call their Big 12 package. They ran more plays out of that than they've run since Sark has been the head coach slash play caller at Texas. They unveiled it last year for the first time, um, but they have not had a game where they ran uh, 22 plays of it. As a matter of fact, they haven't gone over 20. They had 18 last year versus Baylor, had 16 last season versus UTSA. So they liked it matchup-wise, conceptually, uh, but they hadn't really used it to this extent. And I think it is something they wanted to rep, but also something they want to put on film to force Oklahoma to have to prepare for it, number one. So they got to dedicate even more time to game planning all of these different concepts that uh, Texas will deploy. And it, inevitably, it's, it's like a campaign of misinformation. If they try to prepare for everything that Sark is going to, to utilize and deploy and weaponize, then they'll probably end up ill-prepared uh, for everything because he throws so much uh, at opponents. But getting back to the 6-0 line package, the reason I like it and I think they're running now more of, it, more of it just because JT Sanders was out. So if JT Sanders is healthy, you may not see as much of it. You saw a you know a gratuitous amount of it because JT Sanders was out, and this was, I think, the way to supplement the productivity. But it is an interesting conundrum that this 6-0 line package presents to opponents. I've just been tracking it this season, and Texas has been pretty good, but they've been increasing the, the usage, if you will, and the rate in the last couple of games. Wyoming, we saw a lot more of the 6-0 line package. Didn't see as much of it versus Baylor. I don't think they needed it versus Baylor. <laughs> they seemed, it didn't dominate uh, with every concept and every formation and personnel grouping versus Baylor. But with Kansas, when JT Sanders went out, they wanted still to have that formidable presence in the running game. Still want to be able to pound the rock and play bully ball. Usually Sark does it with 12 personnel, regular 12. One back, two tight ends with JT Sanders and Gunnar Helm. But when he lost JT Sanders, Gunnar Helm became the uh, number one tight end, if you will, and they used Malik Ogbo in the 6-0 line package. In that game versus Kansas, uh, in the 6-0 line package, Texas, if you take out the two-point conversion, they were averaging over 16 yards per attempt in the last three weeks. If you just look at the, um, the Kansas game, they averaged over 14 yards per attempt out of the 6-0 line package because Texas can get deep vertical routes downfield, long developing routes downfield, and they can get the pass protection they need because you got an extra offensive lineman out there. So it presents the defense with an issue. Do they want to defend those deep, long developing routes downfield where Texas may have, I don't know, five to six seconds <laughs> for a wide receiver to get open? You want to defend that with more players? If you do, then you're going to be light in the box. Texas averages 325 pounds per man on the O-line with six of them out there. Damn, they're close to 2,000 pounds of mass and girth on that offensive line. If you don't match up to that uh, as a defense, then they're going to play bully ball and they run it right down your throat. But if you do match up with it, you're going to leave one-on-one matchups on the outside. And that's how Texas ends up averaging 14 yards per attempt out of the 6-0 line package uh, versus Kansas with three explosive plays, a 23-yarder, 23-yarder, and a 19-yarder. That's how it happens. And in the last three weeks, like I said, Texas really upped the ante out of this 6-0 line package, averaging six yards per carry uh, in the last three weeks. And you're talking about averaging nearly uh, thir- 13 yards per attempt in just the last three weeks of the season. That's that's going to be key for Texas in this game versus Oklahoma because Oklahoma doesn't have the maturity and development on the defensive line just yet. They're a little undersized. It's possible Texas could go into this matchup, and we know what the running game means in the Texas-Oklahoma game. Team that runs the rushing battle in the last 20 years has won that game, I would say 70, 80% of the time, probably more than that. That's what Texas wants to do. They, they can control 
the line of scrimmage, it opens up the entire playbook if they can run the football effectively. That 6-0 line package, it presents the opposing uh, defense with a hell of a conundrum. You want to match the numbers and match the, the, the girth and size in the box? Go right ahead. That means Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, A.D. Mitchell, one-on-ones. If you want to guard those guys against long, developing routes downfield, five to six seconds to get open, that's a smart decision. But then you're going to leave yourself open to a light box against I don't know, damn near 2,000 pounds of human being on the old line. What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Well, <laughs> and right now, Oklahoma's more of a passing team than a running team. Uh, they've got Marcus Major, who's a good, good running back. But mm. Texas has the leading rusher in the Big 12. Uh, Jonathan Brooks leads the Big 12 in rushing, also number one in yards per carry. Um, and I think Texas has the best offensive line in the Big 12. So mm-hmm. those are all good things when you enter this game and this matchup because you're right, those he who runs the ball typically wins. And now all of a sudden you got Quinn Ewers able to run the ball. <laughs> He's actually bringing rushing yards uh, to yep. the table. I would say your thoughts on C.J. Baxter. I think C.J. Baxter still dances a little bit too much. I think he'd like to see him be a little more decisive when there is a hole. That's one thing we see Jonathan Brooks doing. He just... He's got the great hesitation step where he needs it, but, man, when the hole's there, he's through it, and then he's into that second level. Yeah, I think he's just young. Yeah, um, and agreed. I think, yeah, with young runners at times, especially coming out of high school when they're elite players, they believe that you know that that's, that type of running style will translate. That Oh, no, I got, chance, I got time to dance. I, this is what I used to do. It's actually part of my move. I dance here, I dance here a little bit, and then I can accelerate. It's like, well, you don't pay. there's a difference between being patient and dancing. All right, patience, you're allowing the hoes to develop, allowing blocks, all right, to get in place. That's patience. I think sometimes with C.J. Baxter, he is walking that line between patience and dancing a little too much. Yeah, and it's, it's a fine line, by the way. It's a fine line. And you notice that because he once he actually cracks the first level because the offensive line's getting him a hole, and then he'll dance a little bit at the next level. Then he gets tackled from behind. Yeah, exactly. Because he's he gets, yeah. it's like no, no, no. You got accelerate. Go get the yards you can. I'm with. I think this is a young because I, I know there. I've noted it down in my notes when we were doing oh, yeah. the the eyes on Texas. Uh, excuse me, the uh, the inside Texas watch in in game watch on the eyes on Texas channel there on Texas football. I wrote down notes several because I don't fumble, don't fumble because he keeps getting hit from behind. Oh, you're right, somebody can come kind of some strip defenders, it. Yep, and boom. he's he's like doing his little high school dance, and it's like, oh no, 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 here a big 300 pounder coming up behind you. That's a great point. Tomahawking that ball. I never thought about that, but you're right. That's just dangerous. That is dangerous. Yeah. Well, and somebody texted and said, "Did you see?" Uh, um, he said, "Where did it go?" He's talking about how Anthony Hill took that penalty late in the game, and he said he's oh, worried yeah, the about roughing o- the passer. Yeah, he's yeah. worried about the young guys maybe getting too emotional, but baited into some mistakes here. It could be. Well, but- th- th- for me, if I'm Sark, this is one of the, I know I've been playing my young guys, and it's a recruiting game for Texas because it's a home game, so they get to have all their recruits there. This is a game, at least early. You want your veteran guys who've been in this game, right? This is the Jonathan Brooks. You know, Quinn's been in this game a couple times now. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Xavier X, scored a touchdown in this game mm-hmm. as a freshman. JT. Yeah, and, and you trust A.D. Mitchell. He's not played in this game, but you know he's been in the national championship games. I think he'll be okay. Uh, those are the kind of – and you just trust his defense because they yes, just have so many veteran players. All right, yep. we'll come back. We will do a little what's popping to get you ready for the night, including Monday night football, the baseball playoffs, all coming on what's popping. What's popping? Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that flight like stocking. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them. That's toxins. right. Pass it like Stockton. What's popping is NBA training camps are opening up all over the NBA. Victor Wenbanyama, they're having their media day down in San Antonio. Rockets, Mavericks. Now the. Uh, 
Dame Lillard led Bucks along with Giannis. That'll be a lot of fun. So NBA season is here. What's popping? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fun, man. Watch and look. Uh, find that Hemi haircut. That new Hemi hairdo with yeah, Jimmy you, Butler. Him. Hemi. Hemi. I'm hoping that he plays a game, at least one game with it. But he can't, right? Because the hair's in his eyes all the time. I know. Doesn't it flop in his head, his face? I guess he could like tie it I up. I guess for media day, it's a lot of pictures and you know, yeah. interviews. You can show up looking good. Uh, Jimmy Butler and the Heat are they now trailing the Celtics and Bucks after the move that were made? No with, doubt. Um, yeah, Drew are. Holiday now at Celtic, and yeah. you know Drew. I mean, you get Derek White, the former Spurs in that backcourt. He was second team All Defense. The Celtics have a hell of a defense in their backcourt, and of course the Bucks now have two superstars. Celtics um, were so disappointing last year. I know. Well, we'll see. NBA (laughs) season uh, around the corner. That's popping. Also popping Monday night football tonight. And we need to give a pick. Now, Rod, you need to tell them about my bookie. Because Ty Ty would normally be giving you his pick of the night. But Ty is under the weather, so he had to head out of here. Our man Cole Dixon Uh is running Uh our show. Who's going to give the pick? I'll do it. Are you going to get a Sex Panther pick? And I got to say, I got to give some grief to Lincoln Riley because I was coming off a 5-0 week. I was coming off a 5-0 week, and I was about to beat Ty again with a 3-2 week. And they were up forty-one to fourteen to cover the twenty-point line. I'm like, come on now, Lincoln yeah. Riley's going to cover that thing. What are we doing? Uh, so yeah, that's why Ty took call. We went head to head on that game. I, I took USC. That. He told me that he, when we were at the he took, uh, uh, Mockingbird. He took uh, Colorado <laughs> exactly for the right reason. He did that. Uh, they wouldn't stop playing at home, and uh, USC would go to sleep on defense, and it ended up having to get an onside kick. He was right. USC to win the game. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's a dang. That's that's a bad look for Alex Grinch, man. That's a, that's a that's an indictment on Alex Grinch right there. Straight it is. up, it is. And Shador Sanders lit him up, and then so he so Ty went three and two. He had Texas, Colorado, and Michigan. Those were three good picks. And Ty did say it was a thirty point Texas win, so he was right on that. Uh, but Ty, how about Ty's bad beat was UCF. He had Central Florida, and he was feeling good when they were up. 35 to seven on Baylor, and they lost the game. Lost the game. How that, about Baylor? Twenty eight point comeback to win. That's amazing. Yeah, they scored 26 points in the fourth quarter, Rod. That's Bears. Blake Shapin, man, he's back. Blake Shapin. See, there was Texas, a defensive touchdown in there, too. Texas has been – they got the, the football gods have been on side on Texas side because three straight weeks of playing backup quarterbacks. Net, That's big. No Blake Shapin. Uh, I forget the quarterback for Wyoming, his name. But you had to worry about him either, and you didn't have to worry about Jalen Daniels. Well, good stuff, man. So that was Ty's bad beat. Ty's worst pick of the week was Southern Miss because he didn't believe in Texas State as alma mater. He Come on, be- he doesn't believe in the eat 'em up cats like G- I do. GJ Kenny, he's killing it. Yeah, fifty to thirty-six. They they had, they were up huge in that game, and yeah, they man. they let Southern Miss come back a little bit on the road. So yeah, they're off to a four-one start down in San Marvelous. So props to them. Mm. My worst pick, without a doubt, was uh, I took New England and the six and a half points. Why, Bill Belichick? Yeah. New England, I, I got to get off the, the, the New England. Mac Jones, it's, it's a different Belichick without Pitt. It is. We all got to. They, they have to a that. Mac Jones problem. That's pretty clear. Who? Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones problem. <laughs> they have a problem. <laughs> they have a problem at quarterback. In, yes, they in, do. He, in Tom Brady, he's not. They're going to have to figure something no, out. They there. might be drafting a quarterback pretty soon. Who knows? Well, that division. They bet, they, yeah. They're already one and three. That's what I'm saying. You might as well start thinking about at this point, like, should we. Tank to get one of these really good quarterbacks coming out in, you know, 2024? I know, I know who Belichick would want. I had the who? Chiefs over 26.5 points last night. Oh, you didn't get there. <gasps> Mm-mm. Why they got distracted because of Taylor Swift. Yeah, you were looking good early, but then they, they got the Jets' distracted. defense and, showed up. Yeah, and then I took them on the live line, minus 3.5, so. 
Oh. Two bad beats. Man. Two bad beats. Well, the pick tonight is the Giants Cold and the Seahawks man. from New York. That uh, MetLife Stadium, this is the second time this year it's hosting back-to-back primetime games. Remember the week one when they had the Cowboys game with the Giants and then the Jets and Aaron Rodgers on Monday night? Well, they're doing it again. They, the NBC game was last night, and now you got the Seahawks and the Giants from East Rutherford. I am going to take... I got to look at this line. The line is the Giants probably, are a home favor, a home underdog. I was going to say I'll probably take the Seahawks here, but I would like to. But I, typically, you would take home points. Yeah. And Saquon Barkley is he playing or not? I mean, that's really what we need to know here. That is what we need to know. That's it, yeah, it's a good question. But I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take Geno Smith in Seattle and think they'll win this game by more than a field goal. And here's why: Geno Smith. Remember, they lost that game week one to the Rams, and I think the Rams have now all of a sudden surprised everybody because when the Rams didn't have Puka Nakua. Puka. Remember, didn't have Cooper Cup. You were thinking, well, what are they going to do? Cooper Cup's out. Cam Akers is angry and bitter. Matt Stafford's old. And what do you know? The Rams are actually a lot better than we thought. And you have you said Sean McVay's just a really good coach. He's a good coach. Yeah. And Stafford's balling. And Stafford, Matt Stafford's well, just balling right now. And so right no now, Cooper actually. Cup. It's been Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua. Did you see him with the watch-off touchdown yesterday? This guy's not only been good, he's been historically Bro, good. How about this stat? He's currently outpacing. The two best receiving yard seasons in NFL history through the first four games. He is outpacing Cooper Cup's 2021 season and Calvin Johnson's 2012 season right now. He's on that kind of pace. So not only he's on pace to have the best receiving uh, season ever for a rookie, he's been on pace for having the best receiving season ever. Right. In terms of receiving yards. <laughs> It's crazy. And so, yes, they're doing it. Like Kyron Williams scored two touchdowns, and they beat the Colts in overtime yesterday. They had to come from behind it. And Puka Nakua had the walk-off tutty. Walk-off tutty. Man. So, point of that was, I think the Seahawks underestimated the Rams a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they Everybody lost that is. game. And then they've turned around, and they won in Detroit. We know how good Detroit is. Turned around last week and made their had not another win. I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to be good. Kenneth Walker the third is a really good back. He's their lead guy. They can run it. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I think this is. A, I just don't see. I don't trust Daniel Jones. I don't trust Daniel Jones. <laughs> You're the I, only one, especially without Saquon Barkley. Uh, no, I think see. I think Seahawks went on the road with Pete Carroll. I got you. I'm with you on that. I think the Seahawks uh, end up winning that game. Cole, you got a spot there. You feeling it? So I've talked to Ty about this a lot. I'm more of a prop bets. So oh. I do like a lot of like. Uh, Ooh, side bets. I like yeah, you're, like doing, the side you're bets. doing the underdog fantasy then. Taking the higher or lower then, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'll do uh, player props too. That's where I that's where Ooh. I make my bread and butter on. Well, what's your player prop tonight then? I like that. Give it to the people. Daniel Jones over one interception. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I love it. Yeah. Over one interception. Because well. sometimes the line is set like half. So mm. it's pretty much just, you know, are they gonna throw an interception or not? And I I more often than not take the over. Honestly, I like that secondary for sec- for Seattle though, too. That's a good secondary, man. Right. Good safeties. Hey, look, no uh, baseball Willen. tonight. The first baseball comes tomorrow. It'll be popping. The schedule's out. Texas Rangers. Oh, man. I, hey, I know I'm they're in the playoffs. I know, but they it's coughed okay. up. I mean, think about this. Not only, I mean, if they had won yesterday or any one of those games in Seattle they didn't win, including the ninth inning game that they blew, they'd be off. The Astros would be playing there in Tampa. Hey. And so it's a quick turnaround. You had to, you had to, um, Come from Seattle, back home. Now you're going to Tampa. That game is 2 o'clock tomorrow. You probably want the Astros on the road, though, don't you? Yeah. Aren't they better on the road than they are at home? I just can't over, <laughs> under, overstate how big it is to have the week off. The Astros get to regroup. So do the Orioles. It's for the pitching, man. It's for the get pitching. Get pitching lined up. Yeah, get guys healthy. Get them off their feet a little bit. And the Mar- Rangers don't get that. And they had it. They had it in their grasp, and they let it get away. So <laughs> now, now they're coming home, and then they got to go play Tampa tomorrow at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. 
Toronto plays Minnesota tomorrow afternoon. Milwaukee, all four series start tomorrow in the wild card round. Dodgers, Braves, Astros, Orioles get to sit and wait until the weekend. Goose, goose. Man. Like that, baby. Hey, Rod, great to have you back. I'm glad, to, be back, uh, glad to hear baby Monroe is doing great. Doing fantastic. She's killing it. Uh, you're, you're, you're becoming a master diaper changer? I am. And uh, sleep deprivation? Not as bad as I thought. I love it. Well, <laughs> we wish you well. Well, we got Hey, Rod, it's 1056 on a Monday. And OU still sucks! Every hour podcast at hornfm.com. <laughs>